weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascots. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak, The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week, The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic Mike Show, episode 394, Mr. Savage. We got a rainy huzzah today. Hey, maybe for you it's uh, it's nice, and actually it's not 98 degrees outside for once here, which is uh, pretty nice, especially if you're Jessica Simpson. Mike Samich, how are you feeling today other than a little wet and rainy at Saratoga? I'm doing good, just getting prepped, uh, excited for the Jim Danny this weekend. We got the Carlin tomorrow, so exciting stakes weekend there. De- uh, Delmar obviously bringing the stars out. We got the great one, Bing Crosby, and the great two San Diego, which we're not covering here in the cross-country pick five sequence, but is probably one of the more difficult races of the entire weekend. I'm not sure if you looked at it. I know we're going to talk about it toward the end of the end of the day here, but that race I thought was wildly difficult. I'm taking a big shot in that one because the, if the, and it's not going to be with Mandaloon though. I totally understand if you want to, I might change it to Mandaloon, but the way I looked at it right now was a lot of these California dirt horses, they, the older ones is beat the piss out of each other. One wins and then the next wins and express train isn't here for, I guess he's waiting for Pacific classic because he got beat up too much last time. So yeah, it's a look for horses. I've learned this in the past two years at Del Mar. Look for horses who were sneakily on the improve, who you wouldn't automatically think that's a great two winner going two turns at Del Mar in the dirt. Um, or you know, in the case of Haywood's Beach, Beach is a magician. We're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> what happens? I mean, that race specifically, we'll get into it later, but you have a bunch of horses that are all of a sudden coming back here too. I mean, Country Grammar, Royal Ship, both of them are really interesting going back to Del Mar. I mean, it just obviously defunded. you got on the inside, there goes Harvard, uh, Mandaloon, who I think is a complete fade in that race. Like, it's just, it's a deep field. It's a lot of fun. So looking forward to talking about that. We'll talk about the two Del Mar stakes toward the end of the day. Before we get going though, we got a shout out. Happy birthday to Shoddy here. Uh, Happy birthday! <laughs> Can't sing. I was about to do it and I was like, that'll immediately get us demonetized. No, you gave it up after that one. Uh, but happy birthday, Shai. Thank you for joining us here on your birthday uh, and watching all the shows. We appreciate it. Um, this is going to be a fun one, though. We both kind of like this sequence. I'm going to take a slight swings. You're not taking as many swings, I don't think. But it'll be a good time here. Yeah, it's going to be a fun uh, a fun. Scene. I actually looked a little bit at the tournament tomorrow as well uh, before we got in. Uh, if you want to play, the next Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge starts tomorrow, Friday, July 29th. Uh, it's, it looks like exclusively Saratoga and Del Mar. Uh, the back end of Saratoga, the early, I think it starts with race two at Del Mar. Um, so it's a lot of fun. A good, We'll have another good uh, mid-afternoon show uh, coming live tomorrow. But if you want to join Mike, tell the people how they can join. If you're a racing new subscriber, uh, you can join over on the website. Go to your dashboard, click on Tournament Challenge, and you can jump in for $10 on horsetourneys.com. We're going to seed the pool with an extra $150. So the winner, the highest subscriber, gets $150 tournament credit deposited right into their sites. And we'll have a live show tomorrow as well covering those tournament races. As I always say, this is one of my favorite things. You can compare yourself against the uh, the other bigger tournaments as well. It's the same list of races as the NHC and the BCBC qualifiers. So you can kind of see how you do if you decide to start uh, getting more involved in tournaments. A great way to check out tournaments and kind of add that into your uh, your horse racing. I don't know. What is that? It's the thing. The arrow thing? Quiver. Add it into your horse racing quiver of betting options. Yeah. Rolodex. There you go. To put it into the. Uh, do people still have Rolodexes? I don't know. We, I, we both work at home. <laughs> what do we know? 
Yeah, Rolodex is on my computer and on my phone. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's called the address book. That's what it yeah. is. Uh, listen, we got a big show. We are doing the cross-country pick five. Mike, uh, I really feel like we should have had it last week. That's why I'm really chomping at the bit to get back at it. Uh, we're going to take some shots and do some singles here. Uh, do some shots. I wish we could. Uh, we'll have to save it for after the show. But we've got uh, a grade one stakes race, a grade two stakes race, and a couple future stakes winners potentially here. Let's get into it, buddy. Riders up. All right, Mike, let me find it here. Race 7 is going to kick off the Ellis Park. Or sorry, Race 7 at Ellis Park kicks off the cross-country pick 5. Uh, this is a mild turf route for 10 maiden 2-year-old males plus 2 also eligibles here. Uh, the 7 Anglophile, this is a son of English channel, out of a kitten's joint mare, trying turf for the first time. So clearly should be a lock if he finally gets on the turf, right? Uh, I mean, you got to think the horse is going to definitely improve. And you saw Lynch tried to get this horse on the turf last time. Uh, was the favorite in that off-the-turf race, faced Mo Strike, who turned out to be a pretty good horse uh, first time out on the turf as well. So a lot of good things that are pointing uh, toward the seven horse here, Anglophile. I'm not going to put that horse on top. I actually like the first time starter, the five, Salute the Stars, uh, as my top pick. This is one of those pedigrees I think is, is really sneakily good. Um, you've got... Uh, candy right on the top out of a Malibu mare on the bottom side. So this horse should absolutely love turf. Uh, first start for John Ortiz, 17% with a $2.77 ROI. I love me some Raylu. We both know that. And that work for back, 47 and change out of a gate, tells me we got a runner here. So give me the five at four to one as a, a lone must use here. If you want to press a pick f- the pick five here, this is one of those that I would single because I think it separates you. Wow. I have two singles. This is in this leg and, uh, or sorry, in this leg in this sequence. This isn't it. Um, I will say, oh, I don't even know what Jared's talking about. Did we bet that horse? Uh, salute the stars. I, I looked it up. So Johnny Ortiz, there's a really nice article written about him as Ellis Park was getting going. He's got a bunch of two-year-olds this year, courtesy of Gary and Mary West. A bunch of their homebreds are now going to Johnny Ortiz. And this is one of them. He's worked several times recently with another two-year-old Gary and Mary West homebred who's named Tiz the Coast. So he hasn't raced yet. A salute the stars does really well here. I'm also using him. He's my second choice here. Um, if this horse runs really big on debut, stable up tis the coast, uh, spelled exactly like how you'd think. So check him out. But yeah, you brought up all, all great points. The older brother news break currently has two wins and uh, seven on the board finishes uh, turf routing. So I love this horse. My top pick is going to be the two. He's more than ready. There's only two horses in here that have experience. Uh, this one and the seven Anglophile of the two. He's the only one with early speed that we've seen. And he's drawn inside, going two turns. He's going to be going two sprints to a route. I think this is going to be the early leader. Uh, especially don't trust the one because he's looked pretty slow in his workouts. I don't think he's going to break well and he's going to get buried pretty quickly. Uh, I, fun fact, the older, a full older sister of the two horse was a close second to Turner Loose. You remember Turner Loose, a future greatest stakes winner. And a one-mile Ellis Park turf maiden special weight at age two after she sprinted on debut. So... Uh, I hopefully he does better than a close second if I'm going to use him as my top pick. But uh, I know you like this horse as well, Mike. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those are the two sprints to routes angles. One that I love when you're turf, when you're going from turf sprinting to turf routing, especially when there's no other speed, especially at the two year old level. I mean, the two horses get in the lead. I'd be shocked if the two horses isn't in the lead at the first turn. 
and I don't think you're going to see a ton of pressure down the backstretch, which means the two horse probably going to be in the lead heading for home. I always want to be using that type of horse in these two-year-old turf races, especially two turns. The experience should be beneficial for the two as well. Doesn't like to me, the five is really the only pedigree from a first-time starter that looks like it could be a world beater. So the two and the five were the two that I felt you kind of had to use here. I, I put the five on top. Um, the seven was my second pick, Anglophile. We talked about a little bit here. This is one of those where when you see Lynch trying to get this horse back on turf, it really points you to believe that, that this horse is going to improve with that second out on the turf. So I took what I thought was the best first-time starter, the five, the speed of the speed, the two, and then the horse is kind of begging for the surface in the seven Anglophile. You know, I'm looking at my ticket now, Mike, because I did most of this last night, and I thought that it was going to be too much for me to use him at seven to two, along with the four to one, along with the nine to two. Uh, I might throw him back on. I'm trying to take a shot against him. I watched that last race, and I know it was on dirt, but it's a four horse race. Giovanni Franco found unbelievable traffic in a four horse race, and really, one of those horses was never involved. So he found traffic in a three-horse race that prevented him from having any shot of winning. Uh, the horse did a good job despite the ride. And Gio's riding back. I mean, it, if you watch that replay, it's one of those things, if you bet him, you were like, you're bald by the end because you're pulling your hair out because of how just bad that ride was from Gio. So um, a fun fact also, he's more than ready the two. And then the, uh, the three drama critic who were not using, they were both Supposed to be in that race as well. Um, I've got two more I'll go through quick. I'm going to use the 10 Paddock Boss for Rudy Brissett. He's got two debuting in here, including the one Redeemer. I'm actually mad. Saratoga Slim was supposed to uh, meet up with Rudy Brissett originally. I was going to have him ask about this horse or these horses for us. Uh, Rudy, it didn't work out, unfortunately. But this horse is damn Kulat won three of her first four starts at H2. Two of those were dirt sprint stakes going six furlongs. Twirling Candy, the sire, 19% with two-year-old first-time starters, 17% with turf routers, both very, very high average, uh, well above average. Uh, Chris Landeros with Rudy Brissett, 25% over the last 88 months, almost a $3 ROI, so we're always catching good prices. And Rudy Brissett has really solid numbers in these two-year-old turf mile bait and special weights. We talk about how difficult it is for horses to debut going two turns. Rudy Brissett's got pretty good numbers in here, and he's got two of them, but, you know, two for eight means he's done it two of the eight times he's tried to do it. Uh, a lot of trainers really couldn't get that job done, Mike. So I'm going to go with the 10, but did the did the uh, post scare you away from him? Yeah, unfortunately, his horses were in the one and the 10 posts, which to me are the two worst posts that you could possibly have in this specific spot. The one, especially the speed outside on that two, is an awful post. I mean, that's just a really bad spot for Redeemer on the inside. And then the 10 paddock boss, you're just not sure what to expect. On top of that, I'm not a huge Landeros fan, so that kind of was a negative for me. The horse seems to be really regally bred. This is one of those where I would, if Paddock Boss runs okay, right, right, maybe pushes the pace, three wide first turn, fades a little bit after the second turn, I would stable Paddock Boss up, hope for a jockey switch and a better post second time out, and then fire back at the horse. Uh, but that 10 hole is tough for me. I totally understand that. Uh, I've got one last to go, and I see uh, Vashan has got the other one I'm going to use, the six, Solomon Vandy. Uh, at eight to one. So the Sire Temple City, pretty not great uh, with two-year-old debut Sire, uh, two-year-olds debuting. He's just 8%. That is below average. But the Dams family, I think, can overcome this. They've got some win early potential. He's a half to second of July. If you remember this horse, he actually won two straight turf sprints at age two, including the grade three Belmont Futurity. I think that was two years ago. Uh, Kenny McPeak, another trainer that's solid in these spots. He started the meet three for five with Lannery. All three of those were, those are all three of Corey Lannery's wins so far at the meet. Um, McPeak, five for 18, 10 total on the board finishes. He traditionally does well at Ellis Park. And I think this horse, 
because of Temple City's numbers, is going to be overlooked. But there really is some win early potential on that damn side. Yeah, I looked at this horse for a while. It, it, the top side and Kenny McPeak were my big issues here. I mean, so it was like, all right, I, I just I don't want to go too deep here because I think the five could be pretty good in this spot. And the two is that that lone speed in my mind. So I didn't want to spread around the first time starters. I was kind of like meh with, especially because you kind of have to figure out how you're going to control the price of this ticket. I'm going to take a little bit small stabs in both the two feature races here that we're going to talk about from Saratoga. And because of that, it really didn't allow me to spread that much. I thought the six was logical. The 10 was logical. Um, but to me, there's enough things against them that I, I decided to let them, leave them off the ticket. Totally understand. Uh, as you're going to find out very quickly here, Magic has a couple of singles. We'll start with the second leg of this uh, cross-country pick five. We're now at Saratoga for race eight. This is the grade one Jackie's Warrior special. Sorry, the grade one Alfred G. Vanderbilt handicap. Uh, five brave souls are going to fight for second place in uh, grade one placement honors for their resumes here. Uh, I'm actually surprised you did not single Jackie's Warrior we seen plenty of times at Saratoga, you can get beat as a one to five morning line favorite. So we're both using Jackie's Warrior. Let's not waste any time. Talk to me about your other horse and how he pulls the upset. Yeah, I mean, look, Jackie's Warrior is the most likely winner. Totally agree with that. I, I'm, I'm using Jackie's Warrior because I think Jackie's Warrior is also a, a, about evenly priced here, right? In this specific race. The one to five number means about an 80% win rate. That's probably about right. Probably be a little higher than that in the cross-country pick five. I'm guessing you're going to see closer to a 90% use rate on tickets because it's going to be the most heavily singled horse. And because of that, and because everyone knows what Jackie's Warrior wants to do, I'm going to take a small shot against here. Look, knee-deep in snow is going to go. New York traffic is going to go. Long Range Toddy and Doc Amster both have some speed. Willie Boy stalks and closes. Willie Boy is four years old, trying to improve here. Like, I realize I'm taking a little bit of a stab here, but if Willie Boy can continue to step forward and we have – when Jackie's Warriors lost, he's faced a massive amount of paper pressure. Knee Deep in Snow has no choice but to send. Dead send from that rail gate. New York traffic is a send horse. If all of a sudden you have horses inside of outside Jackie's Warrior, and we go 21 and change, 43 and change, Willie Boy has a legit shot at winning the race. I need a perfect scenario for it to play out, for Willie Boy to have a shot at winning the race. But if I'm looking at this and saying, is there any other logical horse? To me, the two has some type of logic and would blow this sequence up. So and then to your point as well, I don't think you mentioned the trainer Jorge Delgado does have two in here, uh, including Doc Amster, who you mentioned, yes, is a need-the-lead type. Uh, Chantel Sutherland used to ride that horse for a while for Delgado until she got aboard uh, Willie Boy for him. So uh, it's also uh, it's interesting. Uh, bless Bill Cosgrove. He doesn't even have his own silks to bring. He's going to use uh, Saratoga House silks for the grade one Alfred G. Vanderbilt handicap. And if he wins, I mean, that's just – you know, the, the ultimate underdog story there. You just you don't even know what the silks are. It's just as Saratoga. <laughs> hey, um, come Saratoga. on. Why not? Get the, get the Saratoga silks so, so in the Saratoga winner's circle. Five for eight. Listen, five for eight at the distance. Has won three straight. All three starts at age four. All three starts since Delgado took over. Uh, the buyer speed figure is improving every start. And you're going to catch a price. You're not getting the six to five, seven to five, four to five of the last three starts. So, Listen, if you're going to swing, swing big. Uh, some people pity thought I was nuts for using Cyberknife, uh, liking him in the Haskell, and it, and it worked out until it didn't. But listen, we're going to move on. I, I, I use Jackie's Warrior, you know, perfect four for four at Saratoga. It's three for four at the distance. The only time he's lost the six furlongs was that Breeders' Cup sprint last year when, as Mike alluded to, he faced a suicidal pace pressure. So um, that maybe plus the fact he's spotting six to ten pounds to all of his rivals, 
We'll see what happens. If the price is right on Willie Boy, maybe throw a small win bet on him in case Mike's got you just a little nervous. What I would also do is if you want to play this race single, I did right. I did the preview for the for Racing Dudes, uh, Racing Dudes YouTube page. You can check that out at youtube.com backslash Racing Dudes. I put the four over top of the five and the two in the try. I think that's the other way that you could play this here, where if Jackie's Warrior is able to shrug everybody off, Willie Boy is a really logical second-place horse from an exacta perspective. Because if if Willie Boy can transition from Florida to New York, which is a big if, I get that. Um, <laughs> but Long Range Toddy, in my mind, probably the next best horse in this race, um, based on where everyone's going to get the trip. Long Range Toddy doesn't need the lead to still run their, their good race. Uh, I think Knee Deep and Snow and New York traffic do. So that kind of puts them a little bit behind the eight ball. So I like the five and the two cold underneath. I think that's a good try if you do think Jackie Warrior is going to win by 15 here. I mean, shit, I don't, second or third best jockey in the race is on long range Toddy and Luis Saez. Yeah. Um, crazy that both Jose and Pratt, eh, right there. Anyways, that's where we're going with the bullet Jackie's Warrior. Mike makes a good point uh, for Willie Boy. Make sure you check out the full preview at racingnews.com or youtube.com. Slash Racing Dudes. Mike, let's move back to Ellis Park now for race eight on their card. This is the third leg of the cross-country pick five. It's a six and a half furlong dirt sprint allowance for nine three-year-old fillies. Non-winners two lifetime. The number two fame. She's your two-to-one favorite for Brad Cox running second off the bench. Uh, it's interesting because her only victory, best uh, Byron five starts, it came on an off track. And right now it says we're probably going to be fast and firm at Ellis. So, uh, curious, did you single her like I did, or what you want to do? No, I ended up going too deep here. I, I don't think this is a stone cold single. I agree that this is the best horse. Um, but there's enough in here and there's enough question marks to me that, that this is one that you can try and get around a little bit. I'm only going to go too deep here. I'm not going to spread like crazy, um, because I'm just going to try and take the horse I like the best and then the price I like the best and see if we can take a nice step forward. That last race is actually pretty good. I mean, we saw Tarabi come back and win. Uh, on the ones and twos, they've been a pretty useful horse, especially at the three-year-old level. And then you have, obviously, Fame running third. So that was a good first race off the layoff. Now you're getting second off the layoff. I would think that you're going to see any, a, a step forward. At least you shouldn't see regression. As long as you don't see regression, Fame could be awfully tough in this spot. Yeah, this is uh, this is actually my uh, – I, I guess if we were doing the best bets for dudes who bet daily, this is my best bet because Jackie's Warrior doesn't quite qualify at one to five. But – I mean, we're second off the bench, second at age three. She seems to love seven furlongs. So why would six and a half furlongs really be uh, much of trouble? You know, scratch off for two tries going two turns. They're like, maybe she's an Oaks horse. That eh, Okay, she's not an Oaks horse. But her dam was a seven-time stakes place dirt sprinter. Never missed the board going six and a half or seven furlongs and multiple tries. So really, distance sorry, distance should be fine here. Uh, she got the tactical speed before the place. Not a need to lead type. Corrales is nine for 36 riding for Brad Cox horses. In the last one and a half years and five starts so far at the meet uh got one winner three in the money finishes and yeah tarabi wins the milton wilton stakes uh, at saratoga next time out uh she was a second place horse last out so uh there's a lot of reasons to like this um i guess if, if you know if you wanted to spread did you tell you did talk a little bit about yours is anybody else that you would kind of worried about a little bit well, I'm going to use the eight horse Tiaga here as so my other horse. Um, I, I'm getting eight to one price, which I like. It's a horse that debuted at Lone Star 
uh, ran okay in the debut, then came back at six and a half furlongs, stretched out, improved quite a bit for Steve Asterson. This is a Stone Street homebred. And so th they thought something of this horse to keep it and decide, okay, we're going to give it to Asterson. Asterson debuts at Lone Star, which isn't necessarily, it means it's not his best horse, but it's not necessarily a bad sign because he does debut some nice horses down there. I love the fact that they're like, okay, let's go take on, let's let's take a step up a little bit. Let's head over to Ellis. Um, you, you call up Hernandez, who's leading jock right now for him at this specific meet. He's uh, almost 30%, they're 29% together with a $3.01 ROI so far uh, at Ellis Park. And I like the fact that if we just take another step forward here, we kind of fit and we'll be in front of Faint. Faint has to chase this horse down. And that to me is a big part of it. Solar Rain will probably try and be the speed from the rail. Went gate to wire breaking the maiden last time. I'm not a big fan of Solar Rain here. He'll have to improve a lot to be able to compete with these. I'm hoping Tiaga can sit right outside of Solar Rain and then kind of pounce on the far turn and, and be the target for Faint. Now, may, maybe Faint gets there. But if I can get Tiaga at 8-1 to one in the lead top of the stretch with Faint having to chase that horse down, I'll, I'll take my chances at that price. Uh, that is the horse that uh, I looked at and thought, well, that could be, you know, for the exact reasons you outlined. The fact that she debuted at Lone Star, I, was like, I don't really like that. Um, but there is, you know, we're not at Saratoga. We're at Ellis Park here. I had to remind myself about that. Uh, she could be decent. I'm going to let her beat me here just because I think Famed really is. Uh, how you feel about the five in the first leg, that's kind of how I feel about Famed here, that she could be really special. In Solar Rain, uh, we've got a John Ortiz, Ray Gutierrez horse that we're both passing on, which is a little scary, but holy classic wedding funeral. She was Nobody touched her at 19 to 1 19 for the debut when she wasn't on the rail, and now she's facing winners on the rail, and she's not the fastest horse early. That's It just smells like a recipe for disaster. 19 to 1 in an unproductive race back where no one passed anyone. Not a good sign when you're trying to play back and you're seeing a 7 to 2 number. To me, that there's just way too many red flags in that sense. And uh, Ortiz, good, 17%. We just talked about it first time out. So he, he gets horses ready first time out. So it's not like it's a, a massive second out improvement like you see with some trainers who don't really fire him up first time out. So you probably saw about what this horse could be. You could expect a small step forward, but Went 46 for the opening half. That's not that fast. Had an easy lead and was able to go run away from a bunch of maidens that haven't turned into anything. So you take all of that and you tell me I'm getting one quarter of the price. I just that that to me is a tough proposition to take, especially when someone right to the outside like Fame is sitting there ready to go. Uh, I see in the chat that uh, Vashan says using the one solar rain could be any kind using the two that we both like. Also using the four Zamuda at 10 to one. I, I didn't use Zamuda. Didn't really give her much of a chance here. I didn't like her form one for 12 lifetime. Did you give the four Zamuda much of a look? I did not. I mean, I'm looking at it now. I mean, picking up James Graham, obviously a positive there. He's ridden this horse before at Churchill. I just don't like the fact that we were in a bunch of claiming races and we took, you know, we were in Maiden, maiden claimers who took four tries at that level to win and then jumped up into the claiming ranks and wasn't able to get the job done here. So to me, this is a, a decent step up in class here um, for Zamuda. If you look back, you obviously draw a line through the last with the sloppy racetrack. But if you look back, you take the rest. You still need a pretty big improvement against a better group of horses. Yeah, just too much to do here. This feels like more of a starter allowance type of filly that she'd be, you can make a good case for. But against against this field here, just can't do it. Let's move on, Mike. The penultimate leg of Saturday's cross-country pick five. We're back at the spa for the race. Everybody cares about this weekend race nine. The grade two Jim Dandy stakes for four or five three-year-olds. We're not sure if Western River is going to run here or in the Curlin stakes on Friday. But they're going to mile on the dirt just like the Curlin. Aside from Western River, whether or not he's in here, you have three absolute bangers. And, I mean, Tawny Port, nothing to really sneeze at either. But, uh, uh Preakness winner, early voting, bluegrass winner, Zandon, 
epicenter, second in the Derby, and the Preakness is here. How did you play the Jim Dandy for this sequence? I mean, this thing is this was the one of the toughest races for me because like the rumor is epicenter is not fully cranked for this race. That's what I've heard it from multiple places. If epicenter is fully cranked, I'm picking epicenter, period, <laughs> right? But now I have this thing in my head where it's like, oh, well, but, you know, because if you go back and you watch the Preakness, Epicenter was a better horse. Early voting, got everything his own way that day. Epicenter got an awful ride from Joel Rosario, saved a bunch of ground, but then was stuck on the inside when he was trying to actually make a, a closing kick. Like Everything went wrong for Epicenter, and he still was closing in on early voting toward the end of that race. Early voting had everything going right. But look, you look at this four-horse field, who is pressing early voting? That's the first question you ask when you look at this. And it's it's not Tony Porter's Andon. So now does Epicenter want to do the dirty work, not fully cranked, and then go by late? I, I mean, I think he could be good enough to do it. But early voting is going to be loose out front, and that is awfully, awfully dangerous to me. So I put the four on top here. Well, uh, I'm not going to fault you for it. Um, Shadi says, this is going to be a great race. And then she says, all. Oh. I kind of did that. I took the three horses that actually have a chance to win. I, I kind of structured my ticket, Mike, with two singles before this, so I could go two, four, and five. Uh, I, you make great points. I think Epicenter is the best horse overall in this crop, but early voting is the only classic winner, and, and Zandon is a grade one winner who was making a great move in the Derby and just couldn't get to Epicenter. Uh, but with Zandon, I almost didn't use him, and I thought, well, he has shown that he can be tactical in the past, and with only five horses on dirt, they really don't spread out that much unless they break. I mean, Western River's probably going to be way far behind and, and not be able to do anything if he shows up. But I cannot imagine Flavian Pratt lets Zandon get more than a few lengths behind Epicenter in early voting. And that's if those two hook up and decide to go off. I, I would expect he stays close. And we've seen that he has a kick he can deploy on the dirt. But I understand if he's the one that you want to leave off of these three, too. Yeah, I left him off. I went 2-4. Um, I, I don't. I think he's covered by both Epicenter and Early Voting. I think they're better horses than Zandon is. Um, and and it, I also think that if Zandon tries – look, if Zandon – his kick isn't that much better than Epicenter's, right? And that, that to me would be the, uh, the main argument between the two of them is that if they're within a length and they both went 48-2 and two, and then they both went 112-4, and four, I'll take Epicenter a length ahead of Zandon all day, every day going down the lane. Right. I think we saw that when they ran similar races, which is kind of what they did in the Derby, couldn't get by, just couldn't get by. And I, I think that's kind of what's going to happen here to Zandon. Now, again, if Epicenter is not fully cranked, this could be hell in a handbasket real fast for me because I'm not because I'm using Epicenter. But I, I don't necessarily believe this trainer speak that like, oh, we're, you know, our targets are Travers. We're making sure we're ready for the Travers. We're going to crank like this is a pretty big race in and itself. And so you got to think that you're at least getting a, a 95 percent effort here, something pretty big. Aside from his debut, when he was stuck on the inside and just, you know, buried inside of horses, show me one time when Epicenter wasn't on Ready his game for something. Yeah. I mean, the grade three LeCompte, he lost because Rosario took his foot off the gas. Yeah. Uh, the Derby, he lost because of historic pace pressure. He lost the Preakness because Rosario turned his brain off like it's not <laughs> epicenter's fault that he's ever lost a race other than that debut and you can always be forgiving of debut um let's play this game real quick and we'll move on for epicenter and for early voting if someone wants to bet this to win they're not like mike i can't do pick fives it's not my thing i just want to bet this race what is the minimum price that you should pay for epicenter for early voting and say this is the line don't go below this for the horses 
I mean, honestly, I would just take whichever one's the bigger price. That would be my, that. yeah, that would be kind okay. of my way of doing it. Because like, look, if, if I think epicenter is even money, I think early voting is probably seven to five, and I'm taking early voting at seven to five or epicenter to even money, right? If if you flip that around and epicenter seven to five and early voting is even money, I'm taking epicenter at seven to five. I I personally think this is a two horse race, and I think it's a one horse race if epicenter is fully cranked. So. Yeah, even if they're like if they're both six to five, I'm on epicenter, right? But I, I think you're going to get a better price on early voting. I think early voting has a tactical edge, and and because of the little birdies that are tw- chirping out, that epicenter may not be 100% fully cranked. It kind of makes you concerned. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how this thing plays out. If I'm just going to win bet, though, I'm taking whichever one has the higher odds. And if it's if it's either the same click or it's very very close, I like epicenter more. But I do think early voting has the pace advantage here, and it, it could be tough for epicenter to overcome. Uh, as far as the Asmussen comments about whether or not he's fully cl- cranked, it, uh, yes, everybody's goal is the Traverse, but that doesn't mean he's just going to throw out you know a complete shit effort for the prep for it. He needs to be sharp for the prep so that he's even sharper for the Traverse. So uh, I don't really believe that. I'm, I'm with you. I think if he's if he's cranked, he's the winner there. I'll look at the chat here. Bashan says, I present to you the Breeders' Cup Classic winner, Epicenter. I still believe that. I still believe. I'm with you, Bashan. Uh, Nick Feldman says early voting is going to smash. Shoddy, the birthday girl's on the epicenter train. Uh, Nick brings up a great point. This is only early voting's fifth career start. Uh, do you think there's some potential still? I mean, yeah, you could make an argument there's some upside still there. Um, He's I, a son I, of gun runner out of a tis now mare. Uh, it, uh, age four, age five, this horse should be like just a beast if they ever let him get that far. Well, and the, but yeah, it, yes. At 105 from a buyer perspective, though, how big is the upside at that point, right? Like, he's not going to be running 120s. You're not going to see that type of improvement. But, yeah, it's fifth, sixth, fifth race into the career. Yes, there is, there's definitely a, some room for upside here. And, again, has everything his own way in this spot, which I think is a big part of this, yeah. is that if Epicenter doesn't press early voting, there you go. Now, it could be interesting if Epicenter is like, screw it, I'm going back to my roots. I'm just going to go take the lead from this two post. But that's not really a Rosario type thing to do. Well, just when you think you know what he's going to do, Mike, he does something else. We'll move on to the fifth and final leg of Saturday's cross-country pick five. We're staying at Saratoga for race 10. This is a mountain 16th outer turf route for a field of 12 males, three and up, N1X allowance runners. And this, I thought, was a fun and a little bit challenging handicapping puzzle. First of all, we have a coupled entry in here, but we also have a two-to-one favorite who was a $2 million purchase and on his debut wins by five lengths in the turf route. Looks like the second coming, but that was debuting against Maidens, and now it's older winners. It's Saratoga. This is a little bit tougher than what he faced last time. So what did you do with the 12 Capensis? I chucked the 12 out completely. I thought this Check was kind of – I thought this was one of those those keys to the sequence. This horse is going to get freaking hammered, right? And everything kind of went its own way. Breaking from the four post, got a pretty good trip, went a little wide, but was really just the best horse in that race. We always talk about how these are some of the most overbet horses, specifically on the Naira circuit, when they, they win big time maiden special weight winners who then jump in and have to face three rolls and up in a N1X allowance with a big ass purse. That is a very, very, very tough jump to make, let alone doing it at Saratoga, let alone doing it from the outside gate going two turns at Saratoga. Like the, the, the things that are just difficult are just stacking up on top of each other here. And then I t- you tell me I'm getting sub two to one because, by the way, you're getting sub two to one. No, thanks. I mean, this is one of those where you just got to try and beat this horse. And if it beats you, then, you know, maybe this is a, a Breeders' Cup winner because it's that type of effort that you're going to have to see to be able to, to get around this. It'll be a Herculean effort for the 12 to win, and you're getting two to one price. Yep, completely agree with you. I chucked them as well. 
Uh, feels like a great spot to try and catch a price. And um, let's just say I used five horses. Uh, three of them are at least 10 to 1. So where do you want to go with your top pick? Because we have almost full agreement as well. Oh, look at that. Uh, well, my first topic isn't 10 to 1. My top pick is, is a really logical horse, a uh, horse that's going to be facing winners for the second time. They actually faced a pretty tough race last time out of Keeneland, the three-horse orchestration, 92 for Chad Brown. You got uh, Irad Ortiz up. This is a Clarevich horse. Uh, this horse is raised two back. Improving off that is good enough to beat this field. I, uh, this horse is one over Saratoga, which I think is obviously a key thing here. Um, the distance is absolutely no issue. This should be a good spot to kind of return to the races here. Uh, this is a first out four-year-old, so you're getting a ton of improvement possibilities here because we have not seen this horse for a while. So I, I like the three orchestration quite a bit on top, but we're taking some bombs after that. Uh, this was the last one on for me because I, I kind of wanted to, maybe I wanted a little crazy because I was like, I'm going to beat Kapensis and I'm also going to beat Chad Brown, I read Klarevich on turf. And I went, easy there, Tiger. Don't go too <laughs> crazy. Uh, you know, brought up all great points. I read was aboard for that maiden win. Um, that Keeneland race, I watched the replay. Holy smokes, I thought the jockey was going to go over the front. She got shut off, or he got shut off so badly. Um, it's a, I, let me ask you, is it worrying to you that this horse shows up at Saratoga after training consistently at Monmouth exclusively on dirt? They don't have a turf training course there. He could have been at Saratoga training on the turf, uh, but he also debuted at Ellis Park and then came to Saratoga. Does that concern you at all? No, not really. I mean, and the fact that he's had success over this turf course before and that Chad Brown decided to save him for a $100,000 turf race versus run him at Monmouth. Um, I mean, there were spots that he could have put this horse in that were the lesser that were going to be less difficult. That would be lower purses. Honestly, if you said, what's your biggest concern? It's a mile and 16th. I mean, th this horse has had some better efforts at longer distances. So the mile and the 16th might be my biggest concern. It's a little the touch short. And this is more of a comeback race setting up for something. But I also think that the three post is great for this horse. Should be able to get it work out a pretty good trip, save ground at least one, if not both turns. You've got the top jockey coming back off a long layoff, riding for the top stable for, for this specific trainer who's going to win the training title. I, there's enough here that I, I love that 92 price because if the 12 weren't in this race, what is this horse? That's a great point. He's probably close to two to one. <laughs> So I feel like you're getting a ton of value on a horse that would not have anywhere near that value because a different horse is in here that I think is, is really behind the eight ball. Um, so actually, because of the coupled entries, uh, he'll be breaking from post two, so saving even a little bit more ground. And the reason that's important is because Nick Feldman shut up in the chat. We're going to get to him. A horse that could very easily go gate to wire here. And Mike's smiling. We're all using the four component, 20 to one. So first of all, that tells me we're not getting 20 to one on Capone, but uh, Lizzie got an inside draw for a horse that is stretching out from exclusively four sprints. Uh, Classic Empire has sired three different turf stakes winners, one of them already at Saratoga this meet, uh, along with the synthetic stakes winner, three dirt stakes winners, two of those were graded. Classic Empire is putting out great horses on every surface. Now, all but one of those stakes winners so far, they're sprints, but Interstate Daydream, remember her? She's won two straight dirt routes so far this year in graded stakes races. Important to note, Interstate Daydream's damn sire is Uncle Mo. Who's Capone's damn sire? It's Uncle Mo. This is the same breeding as a multiple graded stakes winning dirt router. So, yes, this horse should absolutely be able to go two turns, should absolutely be able to handle the turf or any surface. Um, I just can't believe 20 to 1. If we get that, Mike, holy smokes. Yeah, and Jerkins usually specifically points for the Saratoga meet. So often you'll see his barn have a better Saratoga meet than an Aqueduct or a Belmont meet. So that that's a little bit interesting to me. One knock is I wish Saez was aboard. That's a lot of times the Jerkins kind of go to, but Davis is not a bad gate to wire type jockey. So I don't, don't hate that in that sense. Um, 
uh, man, I, I, this is one of those where 20 to one just seems, I actually think you're gonna get close to it. I, I don't think this horse is going to get hammered too hard on the board, man. especially speed has not been wonderful on Saratoga's turf right now. And we got a little bit of rain today, so we'll see how that plays out. But I think this is one where if you're going to spread here, you can't really leave the four off. It has too good of a chance of going gates wired a monster number. Uh, the top pick for me actually has Luis Saez aboard. That's the number eight ricochet, 12 to one. This horse is third off the layoff. Second start with Mike Maker. Already won the debut for the barn last time out. Horse is two for three at the distance. Lone defeat at the distance was a close third by one length on a good turf. Two starts back uh, right before going to Maker. The horse is forwardly placed. There's not a ton of speed. We talked about that already. Not a need to lead type. So if the four can't handle two turns or doesn't like the turf or Say nobody wants the lead. This horse can pick it up. Saez and Maker, they went to their last 40 together at Saratoga. Uh, I love the Saez is picking this up. I'm with you. I like the four better if, you know, Saez was there. But we also probably wouldn't get 20 to 1 if Saez shows up there. Uh, that's totally fair. And I like your pick on the eight. This is my other must use. Um, I think the 12 to one is less likely than the 20 to one we just talked about on the floor. I think this is a horse that goes off of five, six to one with maker with, with Saez off that clan or with, after the second into the maker barn. I mean, th this seems like crazy to me because if we see any improvement off that last race, then ricochet should be in the four to one, three to one range here. And again, it's, it's the 12 horse that's forcing everyone else's morning lines up, which really gives you some value here. So I fully agreement on that eight as well. Uh, for me, the next in was the nine horse Irwin. Um, I don't love me some Santana on the turf, but in this case, <laughs> I feel like if, if, you know, we're both using the five shoddy, 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 that race two back was really quick on the turf. It went one four, 34 and four. That was first time here in the U.S. The second start left a little bit desired, but that was over a yielding turf. And you can kind of make some excuses for what they had to do on that second turn, that, that first long, second turn at Belmont going a mile and eighth, cutting back to a mile and a 16th. Now, I, this one is another one I think could be absolutely ready to roll at a big number, 10 to one. Yeah, I use this horse as well. Uh, ironically, the only really bad race overseas came on turf, but uh, I'm pretty convinced when I saw this horse's form, I was like, they had to have gone, this horse needs firm turf in America. So that's why it came here. Uh, that's why I'm willing to forgive that not really seeing improvement in the second start. But you know, this horse was also in very good hands overseas with good friend of Saratoga Slim and the racing dudes, Joseph O'Brien. So uh, both not North American efforts, not bad. Now we start off the layoff, third start, age four. I like it. Um, we're gonna, we've got uh, one horse that we agree on, and then I'm going to go rogue. Tell us about the five shoddy, shoddy, shoddy. Yeah, look, this is one we used last time. We talked about it. There have been a couple good efforts there that I thought were nice. I like the fact we've got a win over the Saratoga turf. The other effort over Saratoga wasn't great, but that was at a mile and an eighth. And if you go back and you watch that race, it just it was bad. Four to five wide, both turns, just not a good spot. The last three races at a mile have all been pretty good. This is a four-year-old by Summer Front. It's one of those those uh, sires that I love. Son of War Front, so this is a grandson of War Front. Street Sense on the bottom side. Everything kind of fits for this horse to just keep taking steps forward. And on top of that, I think you're getting a massive rider upgrade here. Javier Castellano has just been on one recently, especially on prices. Cardenas last time, Cancel the time before that. Now we're switching over to Castellano, who is a eye-popping 30% at Saratoga throughout the first two weeks. It's wild, 30% at Saratoga throughout the first two weeks. Now you're getting a jockey upgrade here. I should be able to sit a pretty tactical trip, and you're getting 12 to 1. To me, that's a, a wonderful price on the 5-4 shoddy, shoddy, shoddy. You're muted, Magic. Sorry, I thought I was already muted again. Uh, so the horse that uh, that won, Jerry the Nipper, uh, uh, won that race. <laughs> shoddy, shoddy, shoddy was fifth in. Uh, Jerry the Nipper had run really is a good uh, horse. New York bred for Todd Pletcher um, was second to Pipeline uh, earlier this year, and then that's Pipeline 
uh, went and I forgot what that race, the Mad, the Mammoth Cup at Mammoth. That's what it was. Uh, a good second there. So, you know, keeping good class, Jerry the Nipper did win on turf last out. So there's a lot of for back form there with that race to say it was productive as well. Um, you see Irwin in there that we're using as well. Um, you made all great points. I'm going to go rogue here with my last one. We go with the 10 Coliseo. Uh, we've got a first time North American horse, which is always funny to me, Mike, when it's a Kentucky bred uh, and immediately went overseas. But now back in America uh, is here at Saratoga for Wayne Catalano. And to me, I was like, this doesn't make sense because the best races look like they're on soft going. Uh, really, the one time we had fast, it was on or it was a synthetic and really didn't do well in that. Why is this horse here? Why is this horse six to one? Why is Joel Rosario riding this horse? And then I look down below and I go, oh, he's two for three at Saratoga for Catalano. And he's four for seven over the last two years for Catalano. I think he and his agent, Ron Anderson, might know something. I'm going to throw this horse on my ticket. I mean, the, the, the jockey trainer stats are, are phenomenal. On the other side, Catalano sucks first time out. He sucks first time in the barn. He's, he's, so, and he's not great off layoff. So everything to me about the trainer side of this is where I'm concerned. Now, I, I hear you that he, you know, he's obviously given Rosario some pretty good horses here over the years, but he's also 0 for 3 this year, right? And so we're talking small sample sizes. That means he's one either 0 for 1 and 2 for 2 last year, whatever it was at Saratoga, or he hasn't ridden for him yet here. To me, it's just one of those where it's like you're, it's all small sample sizes, and the biggest sample size is the trainer sucks at doing this. And so for that reason, I left this horse off, although I did find a little interesting that it was coming here and that you had Rosario taking them out. The um, I think if you're using the cross-country pick five PPs, they don't have the correct jockey uh, stats at the bottom. I'm on Saratogas. You're on Saratogas. He's two for yeah. three. He's two for three in 2021 and 22. So both those wins came last year, not this year. Oh, you said he was 0 for three. I was like, where'd you get that? Catalano was 0 for three at the meet this year. I'm sorry. I, I, I thought you were in the combo. Yeah. Listen, we're going to, this all smells like the recipe for a great bell curve, Mike. Now, which end <laughs> of the bell curve do we get? That's the real question. That That's always the real question because you never freaking know which end of the bell curve you're going to get. We, we just know which end of you it's going to go up. Yeah. That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show in terms of cross-country pick five. But stay tuned after this because Mike and I are also going to give our picks for the Bing Crosby in the San Diego as a special present for Nick Sievers because he was really sad we didn't go to Del Mar. But Mike, what's that? He was pissed to you. He was. Listen, uh, Nick Sievers, I, I was about to call him and be like, Nick, you need to put down the tequila. Well, 11.30 tweeting action, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I love you, Nick. Uh, we will give those a second, but we will have our tickets below. Remember, this is a 50 cent denomination base and a 15% takeout. That's pretty great. I will start off going two, five, six, ten, then single the four, single the two, then two, four, five, and three, four, five, eight, nine, ten. That's a $36 ticket, Mr. Summage. 50 cents. I'm going to go two, five, seven with two, four, with two, eight, with two, four, with three, four, five, eight, nine. That'll cost you 60 bucks for 50 cents. Trying to see if we can uh, beat some favorites here and get this thing to balloon up a little bit. I mean, we thought last week when it was going to be Del Mar and Saratoga that it was going to be pretty, uh, pretty chalky and, and we're worried about it. And the thing paid over eleven grand, and, and really, you look at it and go, uh, "Yeah, it was all logical stuff." We had we had four of the five winners given out on the show, so uh, we'll see what we can do here.
Yeah, the one tough one, obviously, was uh, Robin Sparkles, which yeah. was, I would argue, not logical. Although there were back races you could point to. Also got very, very close at that wire with a couple of big prices we used. So it was, I, these are fun sequences to play. Sometimes they, they can be single heavy. That's the one thing, because you do have some of the best horses in the country running in small fields. We have that a little bit here. But this is a fun one where I think if we can get around a couple of them, you can create some real value. All right, Mike, let's for Nick Sievers, let's talk about some Del Mar. And then, hey, also, if this big event Del Mar thing is going to be there this weekend, stop by and say hi to the good Dr. Tang. Uh, he'll be there for the live contest. Dot, good luck to you, just not in the Friday tournament against us. <laughs> All right, Mike, the first race, let's talk about it. The grade one Bing Crosby Stakes. This is race eight at Del Mar on Saturday July 3rd. This is a winning year for the Breeders' Cup Sprint. A really awesome field of 10 in here. Uh, both stakes do very well at Del Mar. Saratoga, get your shit together. Come on. Delmar's out doing you right now. Uh, who is your pick right now for the Bing Crosby? Man, this is tough. This is this is just really, really tough. I, I think, you know, I thought about going absolutely bombs away with how be it the six horse at 20 to one. And you're going to get every bit of that because of the last effort there. There's a lot of speed in here. I remember a couple of years ago, we talked about this race and there was just a plethora of speed and it, it collapsed. And I had a horse, I can't remember the name now, that came up and just missed by a nose. I think this kind of sets up for the same type of race. It's tough to find the dead closer in this spot that you really want. I mean, Diamond Oops kind of fits the bill, but I have no interest in playing Diamond Oops here. So I landed on the nine American theorem. I'm a little concerned six furlongs is too short, but I think the setup is going to be wonderful. This horse is going to be fully cranked and ready to go. I like drawing outside. So you're going to be able to make your own trip and not get in any trouble. I'm going to take the nine American theorem at four to one. Uh, American theorem ever since he was a two year old. I remember when he showed up in California was uh, all the rage and it was for, this is a, uh, uh, son of American Pharaoh that ended up with a trainer, George Papa Padrama, who's not known for, especially not known for two-year-olds, and uh, was doing a good job with American Theorem, and things kind of went a little wacky uh, when he was three, and he needed some time to develop, but he has developed into a good one-turn, seven-furlong horse, but I'm with you. I think six furlongs is going to do him in. This is a horse that if he goes to the Pat O'Brien Stakes, which is seven furlongs and a winner for the Dirt Mile, I think that's a better spot for him, but this is almost going to be like a prep for him. Um, a lot of good horses exiting that uh, the triple bend stakes that he won the grade two race. Princeep Carlo was the runner up that uh, just got caught late by American Theorem. Um, get her number, got third and then went to Churchill Downs and won his first race for Peter Miller. So now Peter Miller's back at Del Mar with the 10 get her number. Um, I, you know, Peter Miller's actually only one for 16. Don't let him lull into false sense of security. That's what he wants you to do. He just wants Lots of seconds, though. Lot, so it's partially Five racing seconds. luck. Yeah. I mean, so there's some racing luck involved in one for 16 there. Uh, for me, anyways, let's not get around it. My top pick, it's the two Shahs. Uh, he's the 7-2 morning line favorite, a $1.1 million uh, son of Uncle Mo uh, on debut. So debuts on Malibu Day. That's a very big deal. Uh, wins by a half length from well off the pace with a 105 buyer as a three-year-old. Seems like one of those horses that's very fast and kind of fragile, uh, but he shows back up here, back in the Bob Baffert barn. Um, he's versatile. He can lead. He doesn't have to lead. And best of all, Mike Smith's not riding. It's Juan Hernandez. So give me shots to win the Bing Crosby, baby. Yeah, I, I mean, look, we did the Dudes Who Bet Daily today. Two Baffert horses were taken. You're talking about a Baffert horse here. It, it's, it, it makes your skin crawl a little bit, but he's got some runners, and he's going to have a meet. Like I, it, It's, it's going to get weird at some point here because he's going to win a lot of these races with these horses, and this is an example where Shaz could definitely get the job done. We're about to have a crazy happening at uh, Delmar here. I don't know if you saw the third race today. Sorry to take us off the, the beaten path a little bit here, but Bob Baffert's about to have a horse that cost $475,000 go as a $20,000 maiden claimer for the first time at the age of four. 
So a couple things went oh, wrong here cross-examined. in the in the career of cross-examined to end up in this spot. But you've got Hernandez up uh, even money on the board right now. So you have a four-year-old first-time starter that, that is in for one twenty-fifth of the purchase price that is even money on the board right now. It's a lovely horse to bet against. Shouldn't be even money. It could easily win, but shouldn't be even money. Oh, boy. Yep. Yeah. And by Pegram Watson and Whiteman, that's one of his oldest uh, ownership groups. I'm, without even looking at PPs, I wonder if he if they bred that horse. Uh, yeah, we're not going to use that. Um, Shaz, uh, Nick says he likes Bag Boss. That's not too bad. Um, you know, Brendan Walsh ships in. I think that it's interesting. The Vanderbilt, which is a grade one, six for a long race, but not Breeders' Cup winning you're in. So Jackie's Warrior and a bunch of other horses praying for second. Del Mar's got 10 horses, man. We got some good ones out here. And, and Safi shifts Train the Clock. Safi looked at his Jackie's Warrior and said, no, we're going to Del Mar with Train the Clock. So, uh, so Diamond Oops even shipped in, too. Yeah, I think Principal Principale Carlo, did I pronounce that right? Principe Carlo. Yeah, that Principe Carlo too is interesting. Three for seven at Del Mar and has yep. that same style that I'm talking about. So I, I wouldn't completely sleep on him as well. This is this is a fun race. Both these races are a lot of fun. But the thing is, is outside of if Shaz absolutely freaks, your sprint winner doesn't come from this race though, right? Oh, absolutely not. They're, no. they're all cut below. But they're, they're a, a good betting cut below because they're all about even from that perspective, which makes it a lot more fun to bet. Let's move on. The other race at Del Mar, race 10, the grade two San Diego handicap. Uh, field of nine. Again, another really nice field. Some out-of-towners here. Nine older males going a mile in the 16th on the dirt race or a dirt track. And looking at this field, thank goodness Tis a Magician went the Cougar. He would get his ass beat so badly in this race. Uh, who is going to be your pick? You've got Country Grammar at five to two, Mandaloon at four to one. Where are you going? I went with the one horse. There goes Harvard, uh, who I took in the Gold Cup, and I'm going to stick to my guns and take here again. Um, I, this may be a little bit of a wedding funeral, except we're going to get right around that same price as the Gold Cup. I bet. I mean, we got eight to one in the Gold Cup. I think you're going to probably see somewhere in the six to seven to one range here. Um, I respect Country Grammar. I respect Royal Ship. I don't really respect Mandaloon in this spot, um, but. I, I feel like if you're looking for that up and comer, I'll take the four-year-old who I think can take a step forward here. Um, so I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with there goes Harvard here at a little bit of a price. Boy, uh, I don't hate it. I, I didn't use there goes Harvard, but uh, you know, the way he looked in the gold cup was, you know, we beat up on this, but this also, my concern is that I said it before these horses, they beat up on each other a lot. And I just, I couldn't go with there goes Harvard. Does he have a, I was trying to remember if he had this. No, he doesn't. I thought he had an old uh, sibling that was famous, but he doesn't. Um, I'm going to take I like that you're going with the price. I'm also going with the price. Move the six Parnelli. This horse is improving. He's got two wins, uh, both at a mile and a 16th at Santa Anita. Uh, that one that, where he got that win, um, for you got that 93 buyer, it was just against a few other horses. He ends up dead heating with there goes Harvard. But then that next out, he repeated. And it was nice to see that we didn't have a regression because that 93 buyer seemed like it came out of nowhere. Uh, now we're going to get a jockey upgrade to Victor Espinosa. Yes, I said those things. Uh, Victor Espinosa, usually a sheriff's top rider. You see he's 20% for sheriffs with a really nice ROI at Del Mar. They ride, he rides some sneaky ones that get overlooked. I think Parnelli, we're catching him at the right time. He's by quality road out of Bernardini Mare, a horse that at one point they really tried to put on the Kentucky Derby Trail. Just needed time to develop. So, yeah, give me Parnelli at 15-1. to 1. Uh, I don't hate it. Um, I wouldn't talk you off it because of the price. I, I would prefer the long shot to the inside and Senor Buscador. Um, 
at twenty to one. That's I, I specifically mentioned it in the, the preview for this that it's a horse I'm going to hundred percent be using underneath here. Uh, Fincher, we've talked about Fincher because of Smash Ticket, who came out here to Saratoga and everything that went on with Smash Ticket. Fincher's a really smart dude when he ships horses like this out there. He's got a string now out at, at Del Mar, by the way. They're usually pretty darn good. Yep. This horse won the uh, the Springboard Mile, jumped up and got beat pretty good by Mandaloon. Didn't see this horse forever. Came back and was really impressive at Lone Star. Now we're getting second off the layoff, and this is where you choose to go? I mean, talk about throwing him in the deep end. I, I think this is a live horse, and there's a lot of speed in here, too. So if you do have any type of pace tool set up, it really is going to set up well for Senor Buscador, who's going to be coming off, from the pay off the pace at a monster number. If he stays... Six to one. I think Tripoli's worth something too. Uh, Vashon brings him up. Um, so we saw John Sadler last week. He took Haywood's Beach, brought him in the grade one shoemaker mile, a race Haywood's Beach probably didn't belong in, ran pretty decently, used that to get him prepped for the Cougar too, and he won. Uh, you look at what he did here with uh, uh, with the seven Tripoli, a horse that was a half length away from winning the San Diego last year. Won the Pacific Classic last year, so clearly loves the Del Mar dirt. Had three straight, just back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back great efforts uh, against this kind of company going this distance. Uses the Grade 3 American, a turf race he doesn't really belong in, as a prep to get him ready for this. I really think back at – this was really the goal was to be here at Del Mar on the dirt. So 6-1 to one on Tripoli, uh, Tiago back aboard. That, that could be pretty dangerous too. Yeah, I could. Like, I, I don't like Tripoli. That's my main issue. Like, I, just I don't either. Tripoli. He beats a magician in the Pacific Classic. In that Pacific Classic. Like, the, the, when you point back to Tripoli, it was those wins, right? It was the Pacific Classic, and then it was the race right before it, I think, where he, he won. Yeah, it was the Pacific Classic and the San Diego Handicap, where he yeah. runs second and then wins. And I guess you could even say the allowance before. Never come close to those three races again. And, and two of those three were against... I would say really bad fields. I mean, let's not forget Dr. Post ran third in that Pacific classic, right? That, so, was, that was probably the second worst Pacific classic of the last 10, 15 years. Yes. So for me, it's just like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to say, all right, let's just wash our hands from that and say that Tripoli was a kind of the buyers are inflated because of the stakes races. And it's a kind of a one hit wonder. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to pass on Tripoli in that sense. If you told me it was 20 to one, we could talk about it. Right. But six to one actually feels like an underlay against this field. We haven't even mentioned country grammar who just, finished second and first in the two most expensive races in the world overseas now coming back for bob baffert working its skin off right now based on well, working very well uh based on how uh, based on the last three works and, and you think the horse could come here and run big if country grammar runs big isn't that the best horse in the race so here's the thing uh based off of the times yes country grammar looks like he's working his skin off you know who he's been working with shaz you know who's actually looked good in those times and not all out sweaty Shots. Country Grammar hasn't looked that good in those workouts, especially that six furlong one. Um, Baffert has said mile and sixteenth is too short for him. He's flat out said it. Yeah, it's probably not. This is gonna be it. They just need to get something in him to uh, get ready for Pacific Classic. Bob Baffert did this with Arrogate, right? You win the Dubai World Cup, you take the spring off, you get ready for in the San Diego Handicap, you aim for the Pacific Classic and the Breeders' Cup Classic with him. So I think this is a great time to take a, sh a shot against him, especially. The fact that eight other horses show up, that tells me that the, the other trainers think there's a little bit of blood in the water. Yeah, well, I mean, this is like this is a packed field. I mean, this is this is a fun field to talk about for a grade two race. Uh, Defunded asked about in the chat. I, I looked at Defunded for a while. I'm just concerned that there's going to be some pace pressure early for Defunded. And if that happens, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult uh, for Defunded to try and really take this field deep into the stretch. But Defunded is going to be 
close to the lead around that second turn. And, and from Delmar perspective, you want to be within a couple lengths of the lead at the top of the stretch if you're going to win the race. So I don't hate that part of it, but I do think the fun, it takes a little more pressure and that's going to make it a little difficult to, to get the job done here. We, we haven't even talked about the, like the 2021 Kentucky Derby winners in this race. Mandolin. We didn't even mentioned that. No, no. I, that was like the fifth horse I talked about in the preview too. Uh, I'm against Mandolin here. Look, I, I'm, <laughs> I think it's a bad sign that Mandolin shipped here. I think Mandolin got absolutely obliterated by Olympiad. Like maybe a Mandolin comes back at, at some point, but right now the Mandolin I've seen on the track the last time and the fact that we're shipping here and we're not in the Whitney or something like that tells me four to one is probably too low of a price on Mandolin. That's the key. I think that four to one in this field with what's been going on with him recently is too short. Uh, the Saudi cup was just a disaster for him. Cox said that he hated the track there. But really, since then, you know, he, the Stephen Foster, you just didn't look good in the post parade and he was not looking good on the track. And, and brought, I mean, he's really clearly he's running from Olympiad who's going to be in the Whitney and I don't blame him. But uh, just again, to underscore how great this grade two San Diego handicap, especially compared to years past, like this is the best one since Arrogate came back from Dubai easily. Yeah, it's fun. And, and I mean. This this is a fun race. It's a good betting race, especially if Country Grammar. If you're if what you're saying is right, workouts haven't been good. He's not the mile sixteen too short. This is a great place to take a shot because Country Grammar is increasing everyone else's price. That's going to do it officially for us on Medge Bank Show. Thanks for joining us. Before you leave, hit like on the video, subscribe to youtubecom dudes. and don't forget tomorrow, Friday, July 29th, we have the Racing Dudes Tournament Challenge. Mike, one more time, real quick, tell the folks about it. Yeah, of course. So tournament challenge we've got uh, coming up tomorrow. $10 to enter. You have to be a Racing Dude subscriber to any one of the products uh, to be able to to get that. And good time to subscribe right now, by the way, because you got a couple guides that are rolling out, including the Travers Guide uh, and a couple others on top of that that you get as well for the $70 subscription. $10 to enter the tournament. We're seeding the pool with $150 into that of prize money. So you get $150 added to the highest subscriber who was able to get the job done and beat the dudes as well as everyone else who's playing. Uh, on top of that, you have the cash prizes for it. And then my favorite part, I mentioned this earlier, I mentioned every time, you get to compare yourself. So like tournaments could be your thing. They're a lot of fun. They're a great way to spend part of your bankroll. I absolutely enjoy playing these things. It's a lot of fun, especially on the weekdays where you don't want to fire big off your bankroll. You want to play for 10, 15, 20 bucks. Tournaments are a great way to do it. Uh, you can get involved in feeders, a bunch of different ways. But anyway, we get to compare ourselves versus the NHC and the BCBC fields. You can see how you fared if you would have been lucky enough to get one of those seats uh, every Friday or every other Friday, I should say. When we run the tournament. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, plenty of uh, of the people who've joined and do this with us now, they're part of the excuse me, part of the race news community that we've been building over the years. And if you're part of that, we're part of it. We'd be happy to have you join us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kellard. He is at SummerBomb18, number one to rate. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. Uh, one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back on Friday with the Racing Dudes Tournament Show live coverage for uh, some Del Mar races. It'll be a lot of fun. But until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first.